the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, AM 1220 KEOW presents... New Focus on Wealth with certified financial planner Chad Burton, drawing from his 20-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New Focus on Wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome into the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, certified financial planner. If you have a money question for the show, shoot me an email, chad at chadburton.com. That's chad at chadburton.com. So obviously in the news today, we've got a couple of things going on. We've got China. Of course, we talked about slowing economic numbers. They've got a crackdown on speculation. Um, and now a crackdown on carbon. So no new coal-fired plants, kind of a new... Uh, are we getting an environmental promise out of China? We'll see how that goes. Um, a good one would be you know, shutting more of those down, but we'll see. Um, it's interesting because it's really kind of a, you know, years and years of growth, a little bit of slowing growth, um, big growing middle class, and it's kind of a reset and retrend. So it's going to be interesting to watch China um, and how this all plays out because obviously that's a big part of many emerging market index funds, 20 to 30% in most cases. And that's why, as we talked about on yesterday's show, you know, we went up from almost up. 12% or so in the first quarter of the year to down about 3 or 4%. So well behind the S&P 500 return. So I was waiting today at about 11 a.m. Uh, Chairman Jerome Powell, Federal Reserve, is going to lay out probably plans to slow the purchases of bonds by the Federal Reserve, which is an interesting thing all in its own. Like, right, the Federal Reserve gets the money and then goes out on the bond market and buys it. Now, look, the Federal Reserve last year did an amazing job. They really averted a crisis because when I see a, a market correction like we had last year, you know, I just get the shopping list ready and we try to find ways to rebalance and buy. And, and that tends to pay off. And as I talked to you guys last year, small cap, especially small cap value was on a big time sale. And if any of you listened and moved some money into small cap value, especially you'd have been well paid. The 12 month returns are ridiculous on, um, on many of the small cap value funds out there. But as we went to start to rebalance in, in that correction of last year, all of a sudden bond prices were not happening. And, the bond market started to kind of freak up and the Federal Reserve stepped in. They started buying even corporate bonds to create liquidity and confidence in the market and it adverted a crisis. They did a very, very, very good job. Now, it's up to the overall government to kind of fix things so we don't get so you know, addicted to debt. 
but it was an issue and it was a, it was the repo market just like the you're kind of hearing those terms out of China because China had to infuse a bunch of money into their economy the, the central bank of China ton of liquidity in the economy they got Evergrande, uh, you know, is it too big to fail or not? They're, they basically helped that company out. I mentioned that's probably going to happen yesterday and pretty much did, not a, not a direct bailout. But there's this thing called a repo market, right, in the US. And that's what the Fed's helped out a lot with. That was freezing up last year. And it's, it's really kind of confusing about how it works. But you, you hear that term quite often, it seems lately, especially in Federal Reserve meetings. Now, a basic explanation of this, financial firms with large pools of cash would prefer to not just let that money sit around. It doesn't collect interest. So it doesn't make any money. Now, on the other side, it, there's other financial institutions that like to borrow money overnight cheaply to fund short-term needs. And the repo market is a central two-way intersection. Cash on one side, treasury securities on the other. They're both trying to get to the other side. One firm sells securities to a second institution, agrees to purchase back those assets for a higher price by a certain date, which is typically overnight. So it's like a real an overnight transaction where firms need to show liquidity or other firms need to make some interest on the cash that they might have. And on the flip side, when the Fed sells a security to a counterparty and then agrees to buy back that security, that's a reverse repo. So it's a really weird thing. It's hard to explain and understand, but it's pretty integral part of our financial system. So the feds aren't going to raise rates anytime soon, but what they've been doing is buying billions and billions of dollars of bonds. Now they, they weren't buying corporate bonds anymore. Like they did for the first time, I think in history last correction, that might be wrong. Probably happened during some point of the great recession or, um, the depression, but they they're going to slow the purchase. They've been they wanted to slow the purchase sooner, but it's kind of been put off likely till November. So we're going to see if the Feds are going to slow their purchases of bonds, not sell bonds, and cause a drop in bond prices and an increase in yield. But they're going to stop buying as much bonds. So they're still buying the bonds. That's why interest rates aren't going to drastically rally up, especially since some of these transitory, these inflation issues are transitory and based on the supply chain, which is a wreck, by the way. I can't, I mean, more and more stories of problems getting goods, whether it's, hey, we've been, as you all know, we've had a, somebody light a fire to our office building in Vancouver, Washington, in our Vancouver, Washington office, um, when nobody was in there for about six days because of COVID. And, you know, I paused reconstruction for a while because I was trying to get a bigger development thing going on on the block. That's, a, that's another story. But we decided to go ahead and, and rebuild and just put it back to normal and move back in. But now I can't get paint on the outside of the building. Nobody has the paint that we planned for. So it's, we're, we're still like another two-week wait out on, on paint for the front of the building. So the inside looks amazing, but the outside looks like garbage. And then it's chips for cars. Um, it's plumbing parts. This remodel that was supposed to be a couple of months at my house was eight, nine months. And I walk into my hall bathroom and I still don't have a backsplash on the counter because it's a wall faucet and the extensions are... Nobody can find them. Nobody can get a hold of them. So can't use that sink in the hall bathroom. So it's little things like that. And construction is like that too. It's, it's, it's really going to affect the home building industry, I think, in the next few months. 
Um, so you're going to hear more and more about supply chain issues. Probably the Fed is going to talk about it today and, and, and blame inflation issues on supply chain issues as an excuse to slow down their bond purchase, which I think they should do. I mean, interest rates are so low, it affects savers. It affects retirees. As I've mentioned before, bonds are paying about a third of what they used to pay prior to the Great Recession. So that means if you have a retirement portfolio that's 60% stocks, 40% bonds, and then you have your three years worth of portfolio draws and safe money like CDs and cash, those bonds and CDs are paying a third of what they used to you know, 15, 20 years ago. So that means it's way more expensive now to retire. So one of the things I'm going to talk about on this next break is just how much you need to have at various ages to retire. And, you know, it's, it's not an exact science because it's based on income and, and, you know, your income goes up as you go through your working career, your expenses change as your kids go off to college and then drop once your kids are on their own. And then your expenses go up in the first part of retirement for the bucket list. And then they drop as you age and then they go up as you age because of healthcare costs. So it's not an exact science when I, I'm going to talk about these numbers, but it is more expensive to retire and you need to get some idea of where you are because if you have a life-changing event, like, okay, the kids are all out of college now and I'm at the height of my earning career. A lot of people, unfortunately, once they get to the height of their earning career, start spending more money. They start buying the nicer cars, the, the, the vacation home, the second home, uh, you know, those types of things versus investing in retirement accounts and using that higher income and those lower expenses to catch up on their savings. It's, it's an epidemic. I mean, retirement in this country for a lot of people doesn't look good in the next 10 years. So you got to catch up when you get later in life. Okay, so let's talk about retirement. This is something I've been specializing in, retirement planning, type of distribution strategies, things like that for the last 28 years. Um, I always see these surveys and they're interesting. Usually it's like a, a small pool of people, but... Um, the Natixis Global Retirement Index was released yesterday. And they did a, one of the polls that they did was that they, they asked the question, how much money is it going to take to enjoy decades of financial security and retirement? Option A, $300,000. Option B, $750,000. Option C, $1.7 million. And option D, a miracle. And 46% uh, said a miracle. So that's, that's kind of sad, right? So how much do you need to save for retirement these days? One of the quick things that you could do if you're older, let's say you're 65 years old, and you're like, hey, I wonder if I have a, enough to, to retire right now. Well, if you look at your portfolio and you said, okay, if you started Social Security and drew about 3% off of your portfolio every year, would that be enough to pay your expenses and healthcare costs, taxes, and everything? That's a fairly safe number these days. It depends on how you're invested and how long you think you're going to live. But that's a, a quick check. Now, how much do you save retirement? If you start off working right out of college and you start saving 15% of pay, you typically get on track if you constantly stay at that 15%. Now, if you have a, an employer with a lot of benefits, it's somewhat easy to get to 15% of pay. If you've got 6% going into the 401k, that's usually 
how much people need to put in to get the full match of 4%, which is a safe harbor number. A lot of companies do what's called a safe harbor 401k plan where they match uh, up to you know 4% of pay depending on the plan is structured so that everybody gets to max out their deferral options. So between your 6% and the company's 4% match, that's 10% right there. And then what if you have an employee stock purchase program where you get a discount on the stock so you put, start putting 10% of your pay into that? I mean, all of a sudden you're at 20% of pay being put away. And it's really only 6% of it is coming out of your paycheck pre-tax. If it's the normal 401k or even better, 6% after tax going into the Roth. So if you can afford to save more, you you know do a Roth IRA, then you max out the 401k deferral up to 19500 and you're on your way, right? Current retirement plan structures are much easier than when I got in the business when IRAs were maxed out at two grand and 401ks were 10% of pay up to 10 grand. That's the rules 28 years ago. Now you can save a heck of a lot more. Now you can put a ton of money in after tax into the and converted inside a 401k plan with many companies like Apple, Facebook, Cisco, Microsoft. It's called a mega backdoor Roth 401k. If talked about that, you know, look up the podcast, go to iTunes, find Chad Burton, new focus on wealth. And, and there've been a ton of shows on mega backdoor Roth 401k. So there's a lot of options to save if you can afford it. That's the issue, right? If you can afford it. And where you're job jumping all the time, which a lot of millennials seem to be doing, you don't just look at pay. You also have to look at benefits because in the first scenario that I talked about, this person's putting 6% in, they're getting a 4% match. They're putting 10% of the ESPP, so there's 16% of their own money, but 20% is being saved. So that's a pretty good deal. Now, we've talked about how much money you should have by various ages before. Rob Black and I have both talked about it. And uh, if you Google T. Rowe Price and how much money you should have saved at different ages, they've got kind of an updated one. And it's more what they call reasonable trajectory of earnings and savings. They said they didn't presume that everyone starts saving their recommended 15% of income immediately upon receiving their first paycheck. Rather, our hypothetical investor starts saving 6% at age 25 and ramps up savings by one percentage point each year until reaching an appropriate level. We found that 15% of income per year, including employer contributions, is an appropriate savings level for many, but we recommend that higher earners aim beyond 15%. And so they have this chart. It's actually pretty cool. So to answer the question, we believe having one to one and a half times your income saved for retirement by age 35 is a reasonable target. So by 35, one to one and a half percent of your annual income should be in your retirement accounts. It's an attainable goal for someone who starts saving at age 25. For example, a 35-year-old earning 60,000 would be on track if he or she saved about 60 to 90,000 over that 10-year period. So what are some of the savings benchmarks? When they assumed that household income, so they, again, they, they, they ramped this one up, right? It's a little bit different because we used to say that by age 30, you should have about one time your salary saved up or by age 35, one to two. So this is a little different. It's a more you know affordable savings tra- trajectory if you stick to the plan. And they assume that household income grows at 5% until age 45 and 3% in, 
inflation thereafter. So that's your income. Your income is always growing, so you can afford to save more and more every year. They use a 7% rate of return for the portfolio before taxes and, and savings. And then they assume that age 65, people draw 4% and live for 30 years. So if you're 30, they're saying you need half of your salary saved. If you take this trajectory where you're saving more and more every year by 35, one to one and a half percent times your salary. If you're 40 years old, you should have one and a half to two and a half times your salary saved today to be on track. If you're 45, it's two and a half to four times your salary. If you're 53 and a half to six, if you're 55, it's four and a half to eight times your salary if you want to be able to retire at 65. If you're 60, you need to have six to 11 times your salary saved. And if you're 65, you need seven and a half to 14 times your salary saved today in order to retire. That's not where most Americans are. If you're there, congratulations. You could have the ability to retire. And this is on that 4% draw rate. Remember, I think that's a little bit high for age 65 because of where bonds and CDs are. We'll probably return to normal there, but it's a little high. Now, let's, let's talk about a couple of different scenarios here because let's say you're later in your career and you know you're let's say you're married with dual income and you're 60 years old and you're making 100 grand a year you should have about eight times your salary saved but if you're making 250 grand a year and you want to replace that you need about nine and a half times your salary saved if you're married and you're a sole bread winner right which means the other person doesn't have as much social security by age 60, instead of having 9.5% times your salary saved, you should have 10% times your salary saved because the other Social Security check is lower. You get what I'm saying? So a couple of benchmarks for you. Google it. It's worth the Google. T. Rowe Price, Savings by Age. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass or the wait. I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirado Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiradopass.com. I was talking about um, savings benchmarks. And let me go back real quick because I want to kind of explain. Uh, if you, you're, if you're the, the benchmarks I gave at the beginning, and again, I, I think this is a great article. If you want to Google it again, just, just do T. Rowe Price, T-R-O-W-E Price. Great investment management company. Um, and T. Rowe Price Savings by Age. And you can read through this. I think it's really good. I really do because it's more of an a in-depth look at how you kind of scrape and buy early in your career. And then as you hit your stride in your career, you're able to save more. And then as your kids go off to college, that's when people really, really catch up. Right? Really, really catch up. They're typically, you know, 50s, mid 50s, kids are out of college and you finally have lower expenses and you can shove more money away in your paycheck because you're earning more money. If you want a quick and dirty look at it, let's say you're age 60 years old. Let's just use that example again, 60 years old. And I used 100,000 before. I'm going to use 200,000 of current household income. Since this is a Bay Area show, that's to, in, in order to be able to afford a home, that's Bay Area middle income. Right, so I know it's it, it it's it might be high in some parts of the country, but that's Bay Area. So if you're 60 years old and you're married with two income sources, 
meaning you're both going to get a social security check. By age 60, you should have nine times your income saved. Nine times your income. So if you're 60 years old and you're making $200,000 a year, that's $1.8 million that you should have saved if you have any hopes of retiring at age 65. Now, if you're married and there's only one earner, where if, if uh, you had stay-at-home spouse, for example, what happens is when you collect Social Security, if you collect a full retirement age, your non-working spouse would get half of what you get. And then when the first person dies, the survivor keeps the larger check. So that means you have less Social Security, which means you need more savings. So instead of nine times savings, you need nine and a half times savings okay? because there's no Social Security check. If you're single and you're 60 years old and there's only one Social Security check, it's 10 and a half times. So it, it's, it's a little bit more. So that's 60 at age, you know, it's somewhere around nine to 10, right? And it, it does depend on longevity. You know, this is assuming people live 30, 35 years in retirement. You may not have that type of health. Now, some of this people try to do with free online financial planning, retirement planning tools. And I've talked about this before. Those online tools are so bad. Sometimes they can get people with a really bad idea on where they're at in life and how much they need to save. Most online free financial planning tools don't work. So if you're you know, 50 plus and you think you're eh, starting to get on track, don't use an online tool to tell you. You need to use a, a really detailed financial plan with cash flow projections, tax projections, Monte Carlo simulations, all the stuff that I've talked about to test your retirement. What's wrong with, with uh, online planning tools? Usually inflation numbers are either not there or at a fixed rate. And we use a certain rate of inflation for normal expenses. And then we use 5% for healthcare costs. That's two different rates that we have to put on issues. And then you can put in property taxes that might have its own rate of inflation. You have to get detailed there. The big one too, is that it usually uses a flat rate of return that you enter for your portfolio. And so people look at, okay, this year the S&P 500 is up 18%-ish or so as, as I'm doing this show. So they use... A lot of times during a good run in the market, they use rates of return that are way too high, way too high. And the, really the way it works throughout life is you have one basic rate of return that you want to use up until retirement or you know five years prior to retirement. Then you have to transition your portfolio to be more conservative. That's a lower rate of return because you have less volatility and you're drawing on your portfolio. So it's a varying rate of return. Also, there's a lot of expenses in life that are random that you can't plug into those online tools where we can plug them in on financial planning software. So for example, we look out in the future and say, okay, you're going to need a new car every so often. That's a distribution from an account somewhere on your cash flow statement. You got college expenses. How much is covered by that 529 plan that you may have set up? You might have to remodel your house every 10 to 15 years, Right? And that's, that's a lot of money. And if that's all in a retirement account, when you pull out that money to pay the contractor, then you got to make another large withdrawal to pay the tax man. There's weddings, there's gifts, there's, um, you know, a lot of times people want to plan for a very high travel cost for the first five to 10 years from retirement. But then when people are in their 70s and 80s, late 70s and, and 80s, they don't travel as much. So that's another expense. 
expenses are not a flat line growing at a specific rate of inflation in retirement. It's a smiley face situation, right? You retire, you do the bucket list, you travel a lot, your expenses actually go up. And then you kind of get into a groove, you get into your mid 70s and 80s, you, your expenses actually drop well below where they were when you were 65 in the first year of retirement. And then the healthcare costs start to kick in and your expenses start to ramp back up again later in life. So it's a smiley face. That's really hard to program in an online calculator. Other things to program in is, I mean, just that, that idea of college. When we do cash flow projections, we look up tuition books, room and board, all the costs associated with colleges. We assume how much you might get in financial aid. And we put the actual costs growing with inflation of that institution into the plan. And then we show 529 plans with earning a certain rate of return. And then in the cash flow, tax-free withdrawals to offset those expenses. And then how much is left over in the 529 plan? Or is it depleted in a third year of college and the, the fourth year is on you? Or make the kid take a loan, one of the two. You can't do that with online calculators. So you've got to get a little bit more specific. And you have to have a situation where you're really aware of any scenarios that you might want to run. Because what happens, you know, even though we manage money and, and that's how we you know, bill people as managing account for them at TD Ameritrade, Schwab, or Fidelity. A lot of what we do is the planning. We get calls all the time. Um, hey, I'm thinking about a second home or you know, this rental property, is it a good deal? Is the cash flow good? If not, should I sell it and pay the taxes and move on? Or should I do a 1031 exchange? Um, just all sorts of scenarios that we run with our financial planning tool. That's what most of the conversations are. Hey, can I help my kid purchase a home? Can I afford that? What should I do now that it looks like Biden is going to uh, push for cutting the lifetime exemption for how much I can leave to my heirs and from 11.7 to down to 6 million? What should we do estate planning wise before the end of the year? That's what a lot of conversations go to. And then running different scenarios. Like um, got a call the other day where um, unfortunately a a spouse of a client was diagnosed with Parkinson's. And so we're then running various scenarios of longer periods of time of care five to 10 years down the road when, when the husband might not be able to take care of the wife in different scenarios. So, you know, with Prop 19, where you, you can't really leave the property tax basis to your heirs anymore, now people are more people, especially with these prices, are saying, okay, well, if I sell the home, I pay capital gains taxes, but I'm not giving up a property tax situation anymore. But should I sell the home? Because when the first person dies in California, everything gets a step up in basis and then I can sell the home totally tax-free. Speaking of taxes, I just want to point this out. A lot of people last year did, they took their required minimum distributions and then the, was it the Secure Act or the CARES Act, I can't remember which one, allowed you to roll those required minimum distributions back into your 401k or IRA because, or your IRA because they said, well, we don't have to take distributions this year. I've seen three tax returns where the CPA missed the fact that those were not taxable distributions and they got rolled back in. I saved one client yesterday $30,000 by looking at the last two years of their tax return. So that's, that's some of the things that a good certified financial planner do. Even though we, we create the portfolios, we manage the investments and we bill based on the accounts that we're managing, 
most of what we do is all in the other planning, the financial planning, the tax planning, the estate planning, just getting everything dialed in for people so they know where they're at in life. Because you can look at those charts that I mentioned from like T. Rowe Price and everything else and get an idea if you're on track. But once you start to get a half a million dollars or more saved up, you start having a lot of questions and you start second guessing your own decisions. The, the portfolio is larger, so a 10% correction is $50,000 on paper and that starts to scare people and then they start investing emotionally and it's time to delegate. That's when it's time to start delegating when you're, when you're unsure of your own decision making. So a little bit more too about uh, online calculators. You can't really put in different scenarios for healthcare issues, right? Um, if you have, you know, maybe one of you in a married couple, maybe one of you have, has health issues where you're, you're battling a certain issue. I'm going to talk about inflammation in a little bit. And maybe that's costing you a lot of money and supplements and things like that that you got to project into the plan. You have to focus on your health. To me, wealth, a lot of that is health because you can have all the health, the wealth in the world, but if you're miserable and unhealthy and you can't move and have fun, that doesn't sound good to me. I don't care about the money. I care about the health. Actually, I want this show to evolve more into talking about money, health, and travel, things like that. But tied up and there's not a lot of time to talk during the hour. So um, I want to talk about this health issue and try not to do this without opening a big bag of worms here. But some people get really angry at those that don't want the COVID-19 vaccine because they think it's political and it's not political for everyone. Just have a conversation with maybe a healthcare worker that doesn't want it. It's not necessarily political for everyone and it's not a fake news issue for everyone. Literally, Russia is sitting back laughing right now at all the people that think they're doing their research on Facebook on fake articles. So it's not the fake news issues for some people like all vaccines are gene altering and tracking devices. The mRNA is not a gene altering vaccine. Look it up. Um, Understand how it works. For some that don't want it, it's because of certain healthcare concerns such as inflammation. That's why some people don't want it. Some people have autoimmune issues, which is kind of inflation, inflammation issues. Um, those that you know have gluten allergy issues, sore muscles, even Hashimoto's disease is an autoimmune disorder in which your immune system creates antibodies that damage your thyroid gland. And that's something that my family deals with big time. My mother, my sister, who's still battling it with her diet, and she's dedicated to it because she doesn't even eat cheese or dairy of any kind. I would, I think I might die if I can't have Tillamook sharp cheddar every day. So I, I think I've shared with you guys before that um, I've tested this and my thyroid levels are fine, but the markers for Hashimoto's or the side immune issue where my, my immune system is creating antibodies that's damaging my thyroid, they're not going away. I've been doing a lot for it and they're still there. It's, it's lowered based on what I'm doing. So I'm taking a whole other approach at trying to reduce inflammation, which kind of runs in my family. And again, what I've mentioned before is a lot of people have inflammation issues, whether it's, um, you know, it just, there's so many issues, sore joints and things like that. And you go to the doctors and they want to shove pills down your throat without talking about turmeric, without talking about earthing, like I've talked about, this is essentially grounding yourself to the earth. Um, there, there is news and, and talks about people that have autoimmune issues or inflammatory issues that have flare-ups after the COVID-19 vaccine. You know, a lot of it, it's a very, very small number. 
But then when, when people have treatments used to reduce inflammation, I've read research that I can weaken the vaccine as well. So for some people, it's not an issue of political on the vaccine and, and fake news garbage. It's, it's really about their own health and their own body and fears more of how the vaccine will cause an inflammatory response versus the, the COVID vaccine, the, the COVID-19 effects. So if you're one of those people that's trying to say, okay, maybe I'd get it, but I'm scared of the inflammation. Maybe you go through bigger approaches to reduce inflammation and even re- reducing inflammation helps stop the aging process in the long term. So I'm going to tell you what I, I've taken another approach to this to try to, before I get on some sort of medication for that thyroid issue, I'm taking more steps for inflammation. So my approach is, is lately has been a little bit bougie. Um, but wealth to me is health. Like I'd rather put money, I'd rather put memories in the memory bank than, than money in the, than too much money in the bank so I can retire early and sit around, right? I want to travel and have fun with my kids. I want my body to be healthy so I can travel and continue to snowboard and heliski and all that other stuff that I love to do. But I'm battling inflammation since I was a kid. So what I do, first thing, wake up in the morning. First thing I do is a big glass of water with two capfuls of apple cider vinegar and lemon. Now, a lot of people that have thyroid issues do this. There's really no scientific evidence that it actually works, but it makes me feel better. I think it's a mental thing to me. I'm sitting here doing the show right now barefooted on an earthing mat. So I talked about earthing before. Look it up. There's scientific evidence that grounding yourself to the earth be a freaking tree hugger. I don't care. Walk in the sand. I, I talked about this before. How I found this is every time I go on a beach vacation where I'm in the sand all the time, I would actually sleep seven to eight hours. Normally, I can only sleep five to six hours. So I finally got this this last weekend, this earthing mat. You plug it in. You check the plug to make sure it's properly grounded. You plug it in and, and it's supposed to earth me, <laughs> ground me. And that's supposed to reduce inflammation as little as 30 minutes a day. And I've always been taking uh, turmeric pills from Keon. Shortly after I uh, take the apple cider vinegar, a little bit later, I'll take some turmeric pills and some omega pills. I went out a while ago. I haven't been able to use it eight months because I've been out of the house and bought an infrared sauna with full light spectrum. Full light spectrum infrared sauna is supposed to reduce inflammation as well. So I'm so happy to be back in my house to be able to do that at least three times a week followed by an ice bath. And I can get up to four minutes, dump two big buckets of ice in the bathtub, fill it with cold water and jump right in after the sauna. You got to do some breathing exercises so you don't panic out. But that hot cold therapy is very, very good for your cells. It's very, very good for boosting your immune situation and reducing aging. Also lowering the body's deuterium level boosts our mitochondrial energy. And I think that Cells and mitochondrial issues and things like that are just f- fascinating to me. Maybe it's because I'm you know, almost 47 years old and going through a midlife crisis. I don't know. But reducing the aging is, is important to me because my sports that I like to do between snowboarding, wake surfing, or you know, that of a 20-year-old, my, my body's not 20 anymore. I also take a ton of vitamin D and K um, because if you take too much vitamin D, you need vitamin K to help process that in your body. So those are some things that you can think about. So if you've been on the fence, not because it's political or anything else, but you're scared of how your body will react to the vaccine and more than you're scared of the COVID-19, the Delta virus has got to be scaring you a bit. It, it, it's definitely different. The Delta variant, I mean. 
And so because you might have been scared of the vaccine, not because of political issues, but more it's how your body would react to it. Maybe you go through a process of reducing the inflammation, you know, testing even those markers and then get it um, if that's been your cause. So I thought that's just been a big topic and it just, it kills me when people automatically accuse somebody of being right wing or something like that if they don't want the vaccine. (laughs) That's not what it is for everybody. So be a little bit more open-minded. The world isn't Facebook. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. Shoot me an email. What do you want to hear about on the show? I want to know. Chad at chadburton.com. Chadburton.com, Facebook, LinkedIn, iTunes for the podcast. Links are all there. Have a great day. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.